0: So welcome everybody, happy full moon, Uh, happy Venus uh, stationary. I'm uh, in this new setup here in Istanbul. Uh, I had to use my thick book, thank God the translation to Turkey is also pretty thick so it can keep my mic up. I hope it's good sound. And um, uh, this is my room in Istanbul, so welcome to my bedroom. And uh, if my stomach makes a little bit of strange sounds, it is now 9 p.m., here in Istanbul and I've been charting all day long and I haven't yet uh, gone to uh, eat so I apologize if there is a stereo coming from two places but I hope my stomach being cancer uh, not all stomachs are cancer it will channel the information the right way And what I wanted to talk about today is, first of all, uh, welcome to the full moon. We are here now on the full moon in Gemini. Remember, we talked about it last week, that it happens to be right now, that we have the last full moon of 2021. That's it. Today is officially the astrological end of the calendar year, you can say. The astrological year is going to be done in December, in uh, March 21 on the equinox, but today we have the last full moon. Of the year. And what it does represent for people who follow the cycles of the moon, <clears throat> sorry, it represents the idea that this is today, the day that you can discharge, let go, uh, cut away from things that you don't want to bring with you into 2022. So, any kind of baggage, I'm surrounded with my baggage actually, uh, any kind of uh, things that you don't want to bring with you into the new year, this is the time to do that. Even though Venus is stationary, she's kind of stuck, so it might be hard to get rid of the luggage because it's almost as if Venus stationary poured honey on our uh, palms or some kind of glue that attached this luggage. So what I wanted to do, if you don't mind, uh, starting now, is a short meditation to help us get rid of things that we don't want as well as a uh, focus on things that uh, like cl- clearing space for things that you do want to bring into 2022. Because we are now on the full moon. As you know, now the sun is in Sagittarius. So if anybody invites you to any kind of birthday parties until December 21st, it is a Sagittarius. So we are now in the period of Sagittarius, which is all about truth, philosophy, wisdom, learning. And uh, the Sagittarians shoot arrows to the stars, because shooting at normal people, it's too easy for them. They need to shoot for philosophy, for the stars up there, you know, for wisdom, religion, the idea of connecting to the light, the light that transfers, the light that moves. So it is actually a pretty good full moon for us to shoot arrows over 2021 into 2022, far, far above February, over February 4, when um, Mercury retrograde is done and when Venus retrograde is done. So we're shooting into 2022 and we have Gemini with us to help us get rid of any kind of lies, uh, lies that we lie to ourselves or anything that we, again, don't want to bring into the new year. So if you don't mind, close your eyes unless you're driving and listening to it. So that would be not very wise. But meditations are not always... Uh, having to be done in eyes closed. Sometimes it's actually good to do meditations with eyes open. We'll actually talk about it uh, later on today about walking. So if you want, you can close your eyes. Just don't close your ears so you get some some kind of instructions. So close your eyes and breathe deeply. And I want you to imagine yourself as planet Earth between the moon, which is in Gemini. So, I want you to imagine an image of Adam and Eve. If you remember the tarot card for Geminites, Adam and Eve by a tree. Make it the tree of life instead of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And imagine Adam and Eve as being your masculine and your feminine side. So, imagine yourself, in the perfect world, perfect day, looking amazing, perfect light as a masculine version of you, as a feminine version of you. That will represent your Gemini. And put it where the moon is, to your left, to your feminine side. And then I want you to imagine a centaur. It is this wonderful mythological creature, half horse, half human. And you can make it masculine or feminine, whatever you want. And put it around the sun to your right side. So you're basically finding yourself between the centaur to the right and you see the, sh- the sun shining behind them and Adam and Eve, your Gemini, to the right. And to the left, you're basically feeling the gravitational forces of the sun and the moon. The sun is lighting your right side. The moon is brightening up your left side. And I want you to feel this tug of this push and pull between the sun and the moon yang and Yin, masculine and feminine and not to feel it as stressful or as a tug of war but more as two bright lights that are coming your way from the moon imagine this orange bright light because it's a Gemini, Gemini is orange and from The Sagittarius from the Centaur Imagine the blue light. So one side of you is orange, the other blue. They're opposite colors, but they really are complementary. And allow this light, these rays to integrate inside of you, flow into your heart, mix in your heart, and through your blood reach every organ of your body, allowing the influence of the sun and the moon through the lens of the twins and the centaur, to create this balance inside of you. And imagine this light, this bright light, allowing you to go back and review this year. Start with this month, December. And think in December, an incident, a situation, an event, something you said Something you felt, something you experienced that you would want to let go of, erase, not bring with you any of its effects. And this is easy to remember because it just recently happened, so choose an incident, it doesn't have to be so dramatic, it could be something small. You failed to go to a yoga class or you failed to finish an assignment. And now try to go towards November and bring something from November that you do not wish to bring to the next year. And go back also to October, regressing to September, to August, July. June, and I know it's hard to be so specific, but maybe there are incidents that you remember precisely what month it happened. You can jump back to that month, maybe May, April, March, February, January, and imagine how you're using this orange combination with blue light. To break that scene, pixel after pixel, note after note, word after word, break it away as if it's melting, dispersing, disappearing, allowing this blue and orange light not to erase it out of your memory but to change your attitude towards what happened so the experience could be with you that you won't have to bring into 2022 any of that negativity that is associated with it. And since Gemini rules the lungs, I want you to imagine now how you're taking three breaths when you're breathing in this orange, bright light and breathing out whatever that incident that you do not want to bring into 2022. Do this three times imagining how you breathing this pure bright light but at the same time breathing out what you do not want to bring with you and now I want you to focus on your thighs you can even put your hands on them. your hips focusing maybe on your liver Surrounding it with blue light. And as you breathe now three times, imagine how the blue light you're breathing in is invoking something that you do want to bring with you into 2022. Sagittarius is the archer. And you're going to shoot that arrow towards 2022. Maybe a lesson. Maybe you can think about a way you could have done whatever it is that you regret in a better way something you want to have a second chance do the same thing you breathe in what you want to bring into 2022 and breathing out any kind of doubt fears that you do want to leave behind do the same thing three times with the blue light when you feel that you have completed this light work take one integrating breath of white light a combination of these two and slowly come back to the here and now so what i wanted to do today is uh, what i did prepare it is first of all, an interesting uh, situation that we have to start paying attention to. I think we covered it quite a lot here, the idea that we have to start paying attention to the shadows. Uh, what do I mean by uh, the shadows? have to pay attention to the shadows of retrogrades. That's it. We are now in a new world. It's almost like we have to start carrying masks everywhere because, you know, we don't know what kind of uh, Greek letter will come upon us. Uh, So masks are this new thing. Then we also have to pay attention to shadows. The reason why is because we talked about how everything in our system, the ecology, the economy, our emotions, everything is getting very sensitive now, very volatile uh, all around the world. You know, I get to now travel again, so I get to hear and witness people going through a lot of challenges in different countries that are very similar uh, around the world, to be honest, so far what I've seen. And it's not like in the past that I could tell people, well, you know, worst case, pack your thing and move someplace else, you know, the movement of the people. But now there's no movement for people because everywhere seems to be going through some major transitions and challenges. There is no place that you can say, well, they're doing it great because, A, no place is doing it great. And besides, there is no more one place that can be great as it used to be in the age of Pisces. As we move to the age of Aquarius, which is the age of convergence and assimilation and uh, Humanity everywhere is everywhere. And as long as there are people who are suffering, we are suffering. That idea of oneness is getting very, very strong right now. So we talked also about how when Mercury is retrograde, Venus retrograde, Mars soon is going to be retrograde in 2022, we have to also consider the shadow, which is the area we said in the Zodiac that the planet retrograde is going to be retrograding into And consider it also, in the case of Mercury, it's two weeks. In the case of uh, Venus, it's a month, as a very challenging time as well. So it's not like we can relax once Venus ends her stationary and moves direct because eh, she's direct, but she's still walking in the shadow. In the shadow, there could be lurking uh, creatures of the night. And one of the proof came as a funny thing that happened, and I think I sent an Instagram about it, that right when we started our shadow actually... A little bit later, but when we started the shadow in Venus shadow, that's when, for example, here I'm in Turkey and the lira is plummeting down. That's when the big di- di- dive down came with the lira compared to the dollars. Um, the Venus retrograde and the shadow is sometimes something we have to pay attention to much more. So, for example, this incident uh, that happened with the board ape NFT that is worth around three hundred thousand dollars. You can see here the rest of the monkeys and how much they're worth. And this person who wanted to put it and sell uh, typed by mistake, uh, he just erased a few zeros, you know, zero, is in the tarot card, the fool. So he was the fool three times and he basically, or two times, and he erased two zeros out of the price and ended up selling it for, what does it say there? Uh, 3,102 instead of, as you can see the rest, they're around 300,000 on the average. And he basically said his uh, fingers made the mistake. It's not even new. You. you know, it's how in the, in the government they always blame somebody lower. In his case, he didn't blame himself. He blamed his fingers that made that mistake. So before, it would have been a typical Mercury retrograde, uh, Venus retrograde. Remember, there was a few years ago in Venus retrograde when somebody in Central Park sold a, a painting of Bansky for instead of like... Hundreds of thousands for $50, same thing. That was in Venus retrograde in the good old days. Now these kind of things are happening also in the shadow. The shadow started around middle of November and it's going to be lasting until March 3rd. I know it's kind of bad news because we said, oh, the end of January will be the end of Venus retrograde and you can start dating again. But in our case now, we have to be a little bit more cautious. Yes, Venus is going to be going direct from the end of January of 2022, but we have to consider the shadow as part of it. But really what I wanted to talk about is Christmas because Christmas is coming very soon. It's actually a very uh, fun holiday, especially I love Christmas. And in our family, since my brother married a Colombian who is a celebrating Christmas we all in our family started celebrating when I'm there I'm not going to be there obviously this year but when we're there we have a tree we have the presents all the family come together Christmas is a great great holiday and we even say Merry Christmas I know it sounds terrible for our ex-president and for Fox News but people actually around the world do say Merry Christmas when it's appropriate but anyway I want to go back to uh, something that happened uh, we think a week ago. And there was this uh, bishop in Sicily, the Bishop of Noto in Sicily, uh, Antonio Stagagliano. He basically said to a group of kids, no, Santa Claus does not exist. In fact, I would add that the red uh, of the suit he wears was chosen by Coca-Cola exclusively for advertising purposes. And I was looking at him. This is the dude and i'm thinking my god you're talking about a guy wearing red if you guys cannot see the picture he's talking about it with his mic wearing the typical bishop red gown red red garment so he's just jealous that coca-cola gave the sponsorship to um Santa Claus, and if you think about it, Coca-Cola used to have, still have sugar quite a lot, and it's very addictive. It used to have Coke. It used to be a medicine, really. And the same thing, Karl Marx would probably argue that uh, the bishop and the Vatican's are selling opium to the masses, so there's not much difference. But it's kind of interesting because it created such a big deal that he dared say that Santa Claus doesn't exist, even though we all know he didn't, uh, because the kids were traumatized forever, obviously. He destroyed their imagination, and he had to come up, not him, but his group came up with an apology on Facebook to all the tormented kids. And then I thought, I'm going to go one level even more than that. And I would say that... It is a good Christian that should not celebrate Christmas at all. I know that, like we said, the war on Christmas, remember that fictitious war, as if we don't have enough wars. So uh, our ex-president and Fox News for the last 20 years are talking about the war on Christmas, how people are trying to destroy their little Christmas, not knowing that actually good Christians... I'm not a good Christian. I obviously celebrate Christmas and love Christmas and say Merry Christmas. But if I would have been a good Christian, I would not celebrate Christmas because the fathers of the church, those who actually created the doctrine of um, orthodoxy and the Puritans of uh, New England and England absolutely despised Christmas and thought it was a fake holiday. So let's look a little bit into the origin of Christmas. Uh, The word Christmas is interesting, but Christ, Christ, is obviously Greek for the anointed one. Now, every time you do a massage, you actually are anointed. And that makes sense, because the word Messiah comes from Hebrew, Mashiach. And Mashiach basically means the anointed one. Because if you remember, Samuel in the Bible, anointed Saul didn't work very well. Probably it was a Mercury retrograde or Venus retrograde or Mars retrograde. So he needed to anoint another one, King David, if you remember. So the whole idea of being anointed is the Messiah. And Messiah is a person who is anointed. And that's why when you are doing a massage... Massage, again, comes from the word Messiah. You are also anointed if the massage is good, if, if, if the oil is, you know, a good oil, and there's a whole formula of what the oil needs to be in the Bible. But anyway, Christ or Christos is the anointed. Mas basically means um, the message, or it means the last message in, uh, in from Latin. It's come from Latin. And the idea is that it is the message that flows with Uh, the holiday the message of the anointed one so this is the idea of the mass of christ the mass of christmas now before we go into that i wanted to do a little exam Uh, i did that actually in a class in bulgaria a while ago and i offered money to whoever gives the right answer i'm not going to give you any money because i can't send digital coins i guess but who am i this is going to be the question. A, I'm a supernatural being, oh no, sorry. A supernatural being, like an angel, informed uh, his mother that the child that she's going to conceive would be uh, a mere mortal, not be a mere mortal, but would be divine. That person that we're talking about here, a mysterious guy, he was born miraculously at around 4 BCE in Roman occupied territories. Okay, another clue. As an adult, he left his home and went on a ministry around his um, Saturn return around the age of 30, urging his listener to uh, live not for the material things in this world, but for spiritual. He gathered a number of disciples around him who became convinced that his teaching were divinely inspired and that he himself was divine. Another clue, he performed many miracles, healing the sick, casting out demons, and even raising from the dead. Another mirror. another clue, at the end of his life, he rose a lot of opposition, and his enemies delivered him over to the Roman authorities for judgment. Another clue, after he left uh, this world, he returned to meet his followers in order to convince them that he was not really dead, it was fake death, uh, but lived on in a heavenly realm. Later, some of his followers wrote books about him, And again, the question is, who is this person? Well, this person is, and you should know, Apollonius of Tanya, of Tiana. Sorry, Tiana is in uh, uh, Turkey, modern-day Turkey, so it's great to be in Turkey talking about a Turk. He was a Greek, Neopythagorean philosopher. Some people even believe that he discovered the uh, emerald tablet with uh, the very famous proverb or a very famous a chemical formula as above so below you can see him here kind and of handsome guy according to the statue and he was an historical character we know about him from the writings of many many people and he was at the same time you can see 4 bce is what we suspect the historical christ was born he just lived longer he was killed later and he managed to maybe write more or maybe inspire more people. But what, philosopher, what historians actually believe when they talk about the historical Christ, I was really, really fascinated with it a few years ago about the whole research about who was this Jesus of Nazareth and how much historic, historicity, historicity was about his life. And this character came about because what happened is that in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, the followers of Christ and the followers of Apollonius met. And what we see in the stories as the years progress, that the stories become more fantastical. So, for example, the Gospel of Mark, we don't hear anything about uh, Maria being a, a, a virgin. We don't hear Jesus talking about himself as being the Son of God. He actually says that the, that the Son of Man will come, and maybe in our lifetimes he doesn't talk about himself. Then when Matthew and Luke come, which is about 10 years after, there is more stories of um, miracles, when you get even to John, who wrote it like 50, 60, 100 years after, the miracles are amazing, and then Christ says, I am. You know, that whole uh, monologue about I am God, I'm before God, and all that. So it's really interesting to see how, as, these, um, as the followers or the fans of Apollonius met the fans of Jesus, they started fighting among themselves to see whose master was more magical, more um, of a wizard. And of course, we can see the level going up and up and up. It's almost like two kids in a kindergarten arguing whose father's is stronger, and they started um, starting to bring that level higher. You know, but first, my father has a truck. No, my father has an ambulance. No, my father has a fire a car and so forth. So that's really interesting how you can see the that that track going through the Gospels as they get closer and closer to 100 CE, they become more and more full of miracles more wizardry they become they move from being philosophical to sci-fi but it's interesting oops it's interesting also to see that uh, in the first few hundreds of uh, uh let's say the development of christianity or we're talking about the fathers of the church they dismissed the whole idea of when christ was born because they thought it was very pagan to actually celebrate a birthday of Jesus, and not only that. What happened around two, three hundred B.C., hundred C.E. after Christ, uh, what happened is in the common era, sorry, but after he's dead. What happened was that more and more followers started to think that Jesus was an entity. It was an archetype, like what we call Christ consciousness. That it was um, a spirit, in a sense. And the church was very worried about that. So the best thing to do to combat that is to decide if he was a person. He was born in a certain time. So let's decide when his birthday was actually happening. And that way we can stop all of these um, rumors about Jesus being... A, a spirit, in sense, and that's what started the whole journey of the idea of Christmas. So, for example, if you look at the Gospels, there is no mention of when Jesus was born; nothing whatsoever. The only thing we have from Luke is that he talks about how the shepherds, uh, shepherds around that time, was tending the flocks at night. Now, if you know in Israel, Bethlehem is kind of high, not too far from Jerusalem, the the shepherds are not tending the sheep's out when the night in the winter. So, it was definitely not winter. We suspect he was probably born like we talked many times here before, during the time of Aries. And if you actually read the Fathers of the Church, Origen of Alexandria from 165 CE, uh, uh, Irenaeus from 130, uh, Tertullian from 160 CE, all of them are talking about no birthday, please. We have a list of possible birthdays, but there is no... December 25, by the way, and there is no birthday for Jesus. You cannot celebrate his birthday. Why? Again, because it was very popular for pagans to celebrate the birthday of gods. We talked about it just like a week ago that Apollo's birthday was celebrated every month on the seventh day. And of course, the winter solstice coming up in a few days was considered to be the holiday or the day of birth of Atis and Mithras and um, Horus and Osiris and later on also Apollo and Artemis, his twin sister. And that was the reason why eventually the church decided to celebrate on December 25. There's a few reasons why it happened. First of all, there was a very ancient celebration for Saturn, Saturnalia. Uh, it's interesting that they chose to celebrate the most important celebration for Saturn, when we know that Saturn is usually the cause of trouble in a, ch- in a, in a chart. And in Santorelia, that was celebrated 17th of December until the 23rd. You can see just before the, sol- the winter solstice and just after. Of course, August, Augustus uh, decided it's too much, so he celebrated only three days. Then Caligula decided, no, 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 let's do it for five days. But it was around December, and it was a holiday that people gifted each other gifts. Again, the psychology is that the days in the Northern Hemisphere become very dark and very sad, and you need to gift each other. You know, the shopping therapy we didn't invent in the Western civilization. It was before. At least gifting makes you feel good. The other reason is that 274 CE, the Roman Emperor Aurelian established a feast for the soul in Victus. And the soul in Victus basically means the unconquered soul was celebrated, or or son, sorry, celebrated on December 25. And that was a religion that was very much competing with Christianity up until 3313, when Constantine decided, enough of all this, uh, Christianity is legal, and in fact, I'm going to become Christian, so the rest of the empire followed him, so at first, there was really a battle between the two ways of thinking. Christianity was very much followed by women and poor people because it was actually compared to other religion more uh, open to the poor obviously to the un- to the undif- to the disenfranchised which of course included women and women started converting the men and not only that, Christianity is a very family oriented uh, religion. And the soul Invictus was more about power. It was more about the warrior. It was more about winning. Christianity, in a strange way, was about not losing, but about sacrificing yourself. And you can't really win a war against a religion that tells us that it's considered to be the highest achievement to die for the cause because you cannot kill it. That's the whole idea of martyrdom. And that's why Christianity took over. In fact, even Nietzsche talked about how what brought Christ- what brought the Roman Empire down was not the barbarian or the Germanic tribes, but actually uh, Christianity and the philosophy of the sacrifice. So... That Probably what happened is that the celebration of Santa Rolia has continued so much that the church decided in one big, if we can't beat them, join them, to just celebrate Christmas around that time and just flow into this new uh, celebration. Also interesting that the first 100, 200 years after Christ died, uh, the portrayal of Christ was very, very similar to Apollo. Apollo is good-looking, he's young, he's happy, he's considered to be the most beautiful of the gods, and he was the god of music, he was without a beard, so... That was the first Jesus. And not only that, the idea of an aura that you see a lot of time in Middle Ages behind martyrs or behind saints and definitely behind Jesus is actually coming from Apollo. Apollo always had this radiating light because he was obviously the God of the sun. It's also interesting that in Kabbalah or Christian Kabbalah, Christ consciousness is associated with the heart and it's the energy of the sun. Again, sun is Apollo. So there's a lot of that uh, flowing in Neoplatonism and later on uh, definitely got into influence Kabbalah. Here you can see a very uh, blunt description of how Michelangelo influenced from a statue of Apollo, Apollo Belleverde, and uh, here he took that Apollo scene into the Sistine Chapel to the scene of the Last Judgment. And you can see the hairdo is almost the same, you know, and look, he's without a beard, and he's kind of good-looking. He's not looking like, he's kind of muscular and built. He's not like uh, the depiction of Jesus of being meek and uh, and very, very, uh, you know, with a beard and very sad and very tormented like you see today. Also, the concept of uh, Maria holding a baby Jesus that looked like a man, that actually comes from Isis and Horus. You can see the same depiction coming from ancient Egypt of uh, uh, Isis, holding on her lap a horse as, as a full-grown man and you see the same thing with Maria. The only difference is Isis is kind of optimistic. Uh, Maria looks very sad at you and Jesus, as you can see, is looking elsewhere at the little angelitos moving around there like these little superheroes around him. Now, the idea behind uh, the Christmas tree itself is also fascinating. First of all, druids, the druids that were in the Celtic tradition, the priests of the Celtic traditions, they were called druids after Dree. Dree is a tree. They worshiped trees, and they actually used to hang shining little things on the trees in certain celebrations, and they used to bring into uh, their home, especially in winter, green branches and light them up. Also the same thing the Vikings used to do or the Norse tradition used to do. Now in Germany is when that whole idea of started with bringing your tree in home and and putting ornaments about it that are light. Uh, According to some uh, myth or maybe it is a true story, Martin Luther, the 16th century former uh, went on a walk we'll talk about walks in a second and one winter he went there and the tree and the trees were above him as he was walking he saw the stars the canopy of the beautiful stars around and through the trees he could see the stars and that got him to the idea that when he goes to go home he's going to create a similar setting like put an evergreen tree especially during the winter when all the trees pretend to die to bring light and to bring that hope that energy of light into um, the home now what happened though because the uh, in england uh, there was started a whole phenomena of taking uh, the reform to the next level because again in england after queen elizabeth I, there was this fight between the catholic and the protestants so the protestant had to be super protestant to differentiate themselves from the catholics and they became puritans of course and that whole, the pilgrims that also came at that period to America brought that idea that uh, from Oliver Oliver Cornwell that preached against the heathen tradition of Christmas carols decoration of trees uh, the joyful expression of that uh, sacred event of of the birth of Christ so it became illegal in uh, in in Massachusetts, actually, in 1659 for about 25 years to celebrate Christmas. This was not a war against Christmas. This was shooting Christmas down completely. And later, slowly, it came back to life. But there was a period that if you are caught not only saying Merry Christmas but celebrating Christmas, you would have died. And this is, or you would go to court. But, you know, in that time, that's also the time of uh, the Salem um, witches. Usually if you go to court, you end up being burned or being killed, you know, not a very good time to go to uh, the justice system. But anyway, that was uh, the almost death of Christmas, the 17th century, and then there was a resurrection. In fact, if you think about it, Christmas was not a holiday until 1836 in America, when Alabama was the first one that made it a public holiday. So again, really interesting how it's only about a 100, what, almost 200 years that we're officially celebrating Christmas in America. And What they see now from studies, by the way, in spite of what Fox tells us, that more and more non-Christians are celebrating Christmas. So it's not like the evil Jews, atheists or Muslims are trying to destroy Christmas. In fact, I'm here in Istanbul. The whole city is full of trees and full of uh, um, ornaments and full of light. And this is a very... Muslim country so you know the same thing in Israel you see it more and more the celebration of Christmas because it's really a celebration of bringing some light in a very dark time if we look at what happened with gifting gifting is very very uh, recent actually what happened was there was a a period i think it was 1846 that queen of victoria and her beloved german the german prince albert that was the time that uh, queen Elizabeth, queen Elizabeth victoria was super super popular they had this tree in their house and she gifted him she gifted him a poem you know it doesn't mean that you now have to wrap really expensive gifts i think that's really beautiful that the queen of england that can buy anything she wants she ended up giving her beloved and he was really her beloved a poem and because in uh, New York and the East Coast, uh, every, they tried to be as fashionable as possible. You know, at that time, London was the uh, center of the world. Uh, the gift exchange started flowing in America. And by the 1890s, uh, they brought also the Christmas ornaments because people from Germany brought it and started spreading it all over the United States. And once it became in United States, of course, later on through movies and through the influence of culture, it spread all over the world again. But in Germany, they used to celebrate little trees, like four feet. And in America, they wanted like to supersize it, and they made it floor to ceiling. And as for Santa Claus, that we talked about with uh, before, from the bishop in uh, Sicily, well, it's interesting because it's very much an American uh, tradition. Saint Nicholas was a character, was a real person. He was actually the Bishop of Myra here in Turkey again. And apparently he used his inheritance money, the money that daddy made. He uh, had quite a lot of it. And one day the legend tells us that he heard that there was um, a widow that was supposed to be sold to slavery uh, unless they can find uh, the money to save her. There's another story about a dowry that was supposed to be paid for three girls because otherwise they couldn't get married. Anyway, he took some gold and he threw it from his window. And apparently there were some uh, socks there hanging by the fire to dry, because it's winter, and some of the coins got into the socks. So the idea of gifts or money in socks, it coming from 343 uh, CE, December 6th, so it's a Sagittarius. He died at uh, December 6, 343, which is really an interesting co- uh, coincidence because this twenty four of December is when we have, and we talked about it last week, Saturn and Uranus squaring, those two rulers of Aquarius rule uh, squaring each other. They did it in January, February 2021. They did it also in June. They're doing it now in December 24. That's the last of our issues with 2021, right at the end. And hopefully after that, things pick up. Anyway, I checked on... Um, on the charts, and it 's really interesting that he died this uh, St Nicholas that became, became later on Santa Claus. he died right when Saturn and Uranus were squaring in the same signs they are now because it 's very rare for Saturn and Uranus to square right in Aquarius and Taurus so it 's kind of interesting that all of these stories are coming up now, and we 're back to the same energetically uh, the energetic square that happened when he died. Anyway, what happened, this is Myra, by the way, if you ever want to visit in um, uh, Turkey. Later on, the whole idea of him being red and being a little bit chubby is coming from a a poem, Night Before Christmas, that Clement uh, Clark Moore drew in 1826. And then Thomas Nast drew in 1863 for Harper magazine. A fat a little um, Santa Claus with gifts and with reindeer. So it's not completely true that Coca Cola made him red because he was actually red before Coca Cola uh, made him red. And uh, the idea of uh, um, Santa Claus having the reindeer and having eight legs, of course, is coming from Odin and his magical horse. So you see that Christmas is a convergence of a lot of religion, a lot of mythologies, which I think is amazing. I think it's great. And I think it makes sense that it's celebrated in Capricorn, which is the sign of tradition, because it's accepting different tradition. But there's no need to make it a war. Not everything is a war, you know. Now, what I wanted to do is give you a gift. And what happened is that two days ago, I read this really beautiful um, newsletter that I get almost every day. Uh, It has a very complicated name that I can't pronounce, and I can't pronounce half of the words that I speak, so don't take it personally. It's called the Marginalian, I think it's calling from Marginal, Marginalian uh, newsletter, and it's from Maria uh, Popova, which is a Bulgarian lady, so I'm very proud. I just came from Bulgaria, half of me is, is Bulgarian from my father's side, and she's really doing a great job in that newsletter, so definitely check it out. And one of the newsletters, the recent one, was talking about walking, and I think that that would be a great gift for you guys, because I started thinking about it, not walking yet, because it was raining all the time, but I think I'm definitely going to adopt it. I adopted by walking really fast to the point of running, maybe because I'm in Aries, which too much fire, but I think walking and running is almost the same, except that Running is a little bit harder, or not harder, but it's a little bit more uh, demanding. But I noticed that it gives the same effect as walking. And the idea is that she looked into different poem, poets, different philosophers, including Nietzsche, that apparently, and we'll read some, I'll read you some of his quotes, uh, walking was the mechanism by which he was writing. So it wasn't that he locked himself in a, in a place and forced himself to write. In fact, what he was doing, he was walking and writing the books, in his head. And then when he came back, it was just about putting it on paper. And this is what he said. I'm walking a lot, he says, through the forest. Now, that's really interesting. I don't know. Some of you guys have done the class about colors with me. And we talked about how in research, in psychology, they found out that walking 30 minutes in green areas like parks elevates your creativity substantially. I mean, this was proven scientifically. Walking 30 minutes in a... An urban setting like downtown New York or downtown Chicago or London does not give you the same effect. Walking is great for your health, but walking around around green enhances your creativity, not among among, uh, gray concrete. So he says, I'm walking, and he's a Libra, by the way, and Libra, I mean, I'm talking about Nietzsche, he's a Libra, and Libra is, of course, the color green. I was, I'm walking a lot, he says, through the forest and having tremendous conversations, with myself, I love that. That's so. That's so beautiful. Then he says, "I would walk for six or eight hours a day, composing thoughts that I would later jot down on paper." He also says, "Sit a little. Sit as little as possible." Hmm. You know, welcome to the 21st century. Sit as little as possible. Do not believe any idea that was not born in the open air and of free movement in which the muscles do not also reveal sitting still, is the real sin against the Holy Ghost. So these are quotes from Nietzsche. I don't have to um, uh, promote Nietzsche or tell you to read his stuff, because most of you have already. But the idea of, A, walking in the outside, in the open air, not sitting too much, which is what we do all the time, even when we write and we work, And also not believing anything that was written not through movement is really, really interesting. So the gift that I'm giving you, like Victoria gave to Albert a poem, I'm giving you these quotes from uh, Walking from Nietzsche that hopefully you can start part of your New Year resolution. Whether you're a writer or not, it doesn't really matter. All of us have to write all the time to start walking, just walking. And it's not only for your cardio, it's not only for your heart, it's for your head, and it's also for channeling ideas. I mean, that's what we used to do a lot, walk. So, after we destroyed Christmas and decided that Jesus was never born, let's look at uh, what's happening this week. This week. This is the last week of the year? I'm not sure. No, we still have some left over in this year. This year never ends. And let's see. Today is December 19. It's a Sunday. Venus is stationary. For those you can see the chart in front, you can see that Venus is right on top of Pluto. That's the biggest thing with this Venus retrograde because she's going to be on top of uh, Pluto also on the 24th. We'll see it right now because she's stuck now and she's starting to go backward. And then she's going to hit Pluto. And then she's going to go forward again. And after the shadow, she's going to end the shadow because, again, where is the shadow ending? 26 capricorn why because right now she's going to start walking from 26 capricorn degrees all the way back so especially people who are born at the last 10 days of capricorn feel this venus the most last day day of capricorn we're talking about what middle of uh, 10th of january onward maybe 8 9 of january onward so if you're born at that time you're going to feel the retrograde stronger Venus is stationary on top of Pluto. Pluto is death and transformation. And it's interesting. I've noticed even in my dreams that I started dreaming a lot about my exes. Not necessarily that I'm with them together, but maybe some of the anger that I still have that is not resolved. Some of the fears from finding somebody like them again. So pay attention. It's going to be really interesting, especially because Neptune, the Lord of Dream, is in Pisces now. And, of course, on top of Minerva, the goddess of wisdom. So we get a lot of wisdom through our dreams. And because Venus is stationary to retrograde on top of Pluto, it has to do a lot with uh, transformation, intensity of relationships. Also, it's not too bad with investments. I'm not saying you should get investment, but there could be some ideas, some uh, ways of tapping into a new form of investment. But the main thing is, it's trying to release all patterns because Venus in Capricorn is patterns in relationship. Pluto is death and resurrection. It's the ability to read ourselves from it. So again, this is great because it's going to happen also in December 24, right when the square between Uranus and Saturn are peaking, which peaking, which I think is um, Friday. So up until Friday, if you are annoyed, if you are feeling stuck, totally normal, you know, you're with the zeitgeist. With the you're with the spirit of the time. Today, the moon is in Cancer, And tomorrow, she is going to continue being in Cancer, which is actually good for home, family, nurturing. The moon is opposite uh, to Mercury tomorrow. That talks about how we're fighting our emotions with our uh, thoughts. So there's a little bit of a clash between a career, let's say, and home or what I feel and what I say. So we might say things we don't feel. We might feel things and we don't say it. So pay attention to that opposition. That's the only opposition we have right now. The other square which causes intensity, like we said, is that Saturn-Uranus square that is peaking in December 24. After that, it's slowly drifting away. But we warned you, and I warned you in the book also, this book that's holding the mic, that in September, October We're gonna have in 2022 a little bit of that as well. Hopefully, again, it's not another uh, variant. You know, people here in classes ask me a lot, uh, "When are we gonna return to normal?" And I think we talked about it here. We have to, uh, uh, we have to accept the fact that there is no more returning to normal. I mean, this is normal now. This is normal. This is normal. I think about it. I thought about it a lot when I was actually flying, and I was thinking about how in the past. We didn't have to uh, throw our bottles of water. You could come up with a gallon of water into the airplane if you really wanted. With a bucket of water, you could come in. Uh, Think about how we used to come to the airport like what? An hour before, get in, no lines, no uh, uh, the checkup. Not to take up the computer and take off your shoes and all that stuff. So imagine you after 9-11 asking, when will it be normal again? When can we just bring our water into the airplane? You can't. This is the new normal. And I'm not saying that we're always going to have to wear masks, but... We might, or we might have to learn how to protect ourselves, not only from corona, there are going to be some other little demons coming, invisible demons. So we have to get out of the mode of when is it going to be over? When is it going to be done? Um, <clears throat> the other thing that day, I mean, we're we're the last two days of Sagittarius, so anything you want to finish that has to do with learning, teaching, starting these kind of things, it's good to do it before we get into Capricorn, December twenty-one. And what we have on December 21 is the actual solstice. This is the solstice. It's winter solstice. If you're in the northern hemisphere, it's in the southern hemisphere. It's the summer solstice. So good for you guys. You're starting the summer. But most of the mythologies were created, like we said, in the northern hemisphere. So we're following that. And what is happening now is the days are getting terribly short. If you didn't notice, terribly dark. That's why we have to exchange gifts and be nice to each other and the darkest day of the year is definitely December 21. The idea is that the goddess is now pregnant. She's hardly moving because it's so heavy, and she's going to give birth to the child of light, like Apollo, like Artemis, like Jesus, on December twenty second. because in December twenty second, day after the solstice, the nights are starting to shrink, and the days are starting to grow, even though the baby is really small, like Isis was holding Horus, or Maria was holding Jesus. But The idea is that they're starting to grow. There's starting to be hope in a way. Jupiter is sending... um, No, actually, Jupiter is fine. Forget about Jupiter. Uh, That day is the transition, December 21, between Sagittarius and Capricorn. And we're moving from a very optimistic energy of Sagittarius to a little bit more pragmatic, practical, and somewhat pessimistic for 30 days that has to do with Capricorn. And we also have Mercury in Capricorn and Pluto in Capricorn and Venus in Capricorn. And Venus is officially retrograding in December 21, 1920. She's just stationary, which again is the worst time to start a relationship. And from December 21, she's retrograding until the end of January. Overall, Minerva is coming closer and closer to Neptune. Your dreams are going to become very, very strong up to the end of the year when when Minerva is going to be stepping on top of uh, Neptune, which is actually very nice. If you can start riding your dreams, that would be great. There might be some nightmares in the next two days just because Minerva and the Black Moon, Lilith, the mother of demons, is causing a little bit of pasadillas, a little bit of uh, nightmares. So again, don't take them as permission or anything that is prophetic. It's just the mother of demons is Giving birth to some little demons, some fear. The other thing that's happening is, like we said, the Venus conjunct Pluto. It could be rough on relationships, so just take your time, breathing deeply. I know this this Christmas is a little bit um, strange with Venus on top of Pluto and um, Saturn squaring uh, Uranus. There's a lot of happening there, and Venus retrograde. But that's what we have to deal with, and. We can manage. The moon is still going to be in Cancer in December 21. Again, all about home and family. But there is a change of energy in December uh, 22. Depends where you are in the world. That's going to be maybe the first day or the second day of Capricorn. By the way, that's the day. Is it the day? No, 23. I'm going to do the class on Capricorn. So if you want to come and hear about the devil and where's the source of the devil and Capricorn and what is Capricorn all about, how to get along with Capricorn, we're going to do that class on the 23rd. The Pluto-Venus is very, very strong. It's getting actually not too bad energy from the North Node. As you notice, the North Node is moving away from uh, Gemini and it's going to move into Taurus until July 11, 2023. That's going to happen December 23. A lot of things are happening this week. And when a lot of things are happening, we consider it to be more fate and less free will. It doesn't mean that you have nothing to say about what's happening. It just means that things are moving uh, according to some kind of a plan. You can just have a choice more of how you accept it or how you deal with it. But overall, there's a lot of movement happening there. Moon in Leo is really good for anything to do with working with kids, creativity. You find yourself much more creative. The only thing is that Saturn is is opposite uh, to the moon and the moon at that day is squaring Uranus opposite to Saturn, who is also squaring Uranus. It's creating that arrow that that arrow that is kind of prickly so you might feel people are more egocentric or narcissistic around you Uh, you might feel that there is too much egos involved in things that you're doing so again if you need collaboration it might not be the best time overall because of this moon opposite to saturn and it can create some doubt doubt about family members doubts in general so again Don't take things too seriously. The day after is a little bit getting easier, December 23rd. Uh, We have the moon still in um, uh, Leo. The moon is actually pretty flowing. It's going to send a good energy to Chiron, the wounded healer. So that creates a lot of healing. And Mercury is still in Capricorn. So Mercury in Capricorn is going to give us the the end of the year. It's actually a good time to make plans to the future, but not to execute them because we have still this Venus retrograde. On December 24, it's a Friday, is the peak of that Saturn squaring Uranus. It's happening in 11 degrees Aquarius and 11 degrees Taurus, obviously, because they're 90 degrees away from each other, which is a master number. So even though it's really tough, even though the outbreak of uh, Omricon is going to be the biggest and the strongest around this time, or let's say that's when it's getting a big push, uh, I think that... There's some kind of a master plan around it, so we have to kind of be very attentive to what is the master plan. Uh, not plan B like they talk about in England and plan Plan C, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the master plan of what this square is all about. Jupiter is moving closer and closer to Pisces. We're going to talk about it next week. But the moon is moving into Virgo, much more practical, much more pragmatic, and she's going to move in a very good way. She's creating a beautiful trine to the sun in February, in Friday. So even though it's a square and it creates tension... We have a really good flow between the moon and the sun, which is always blessed. It's going to be also in Saturday when the moon is sending great energy to Mercury. And then uh, end of Saturday, the moon sending great energy to Pluto and Venus. Things can get done right in December 25. I know for a lot of you it's vacation, but at least healing things in the home. So even though the square can create anger and clash of civilization, clash of uh, generation, we talked about it, the gap of generation is going to be very strong around this Christmas. Still, it can get some positive energy. Um, So, that's part of um, what's happening. The only thing about that is over-nurturing, overdoing. So, if you're a mother, if you're a family member, don't smother people too much just because there is... A little bit of overdoing of that energy in December 24 and December 25 is the Christmas day the moon and the sun the moon and Mercury, the moon and Pluto are all sending good energy, the only thing is the moon is opposite to Neptune, the moon is always doing something but it's opposite to Neptune, it's not too bad because it talks about intuition psychic energy, so during this Christmas, less head more heart, that will be the message let's see if there are any questions that I could possibly answer? Um, let's see. Okay, I think there's a lot of statements that I can that I'm reading. The book *Wonderlust: The History of Walking* by Rebecca Solnit. Yeah, that's recommended by Tamar. Uh, I think it was even talked about, I think it was talked about in the um, in the article. Uh, so, that's a good book. Anything about walking. But you know what? You don't need a book for walking. You just need to walk. It's like reading about meditation. I mean, yeah, you can read about meditation if you really must, but do it while, reading, while walking. Also, when you walk, don't walk with your music, don't walk with your, I mean, Nietzsche will kill you. Don't Don't do that. I mean, the whole idea of walking is to really clear your mind completely. And, It's true that like, for example, when I was um, in during the pandemic, I started running again because all the gyms closed and I haven't done it for a long time. So it was it was actually fun and I still try to do it. But here in Istanbul, it's a little bit tough. And in Sofia, if I would have run, I would have like killed myself with all the uh, ice there and everything. So I'm waiting for Israel or Athens. So anyway, when you are running, uh, at least when I was running, there is any questions about what I'm writing I got a lot of answers. So I think part of it is because you're kind of stuck with yourself. You're kind of stuck with your own mind. And you have this conversation with yourself because there's nobody else to talk to. And I don't recommend walking with your partner. Let your partner walk in one part, you walk in the other part. Because even if you decide to walk and not talk, you still have their aura. You still, if you're connected to them and they're really your partner, even if they're really your friend, you're you're picking up some of their energy. And it's not bad. That's why you're going to go home and you can share. But you need to have time of your own, time on your own completely. Now, I'm not saying you have to be like Nietzsche and walk eight hours a day. I mean, that might be a little bit taking it to the next level. But start with half an hour, an hour. You know, if we need to meditate 20 minutes, I think walking probably take half an hour to get into the walk and then probably another half hour, hour to get into it. I mean, try it. And let's talk next week. Let's see if anybody started walking and uh, saw if anything comes up. Um, I am going to record... I'm going to... The thing is that it's not that like I'm super lazy. The thing is that I usually post this um, right away if it's not too late now. It's already 10 o'clock here, so maybe I'll do it tomorrow. The thing is that I send the recording usually uh, to a guy that at least fixes some of the stuff and add music and then... He sends it back to me, and then it it's going to be available on the podcast. But I will try to send it maybe tomorrow morning um, in my time, which is probably night time for you guys. So you can do that meditation. And maybe, um, you know what, maybe this time I might send, because of the meditation, because it's a full moon, maybe I'll send it earlier. I'll see. Maybe I'm not going to send it to him to fix it. Maybe it will just be as is. So we'll see. But anyway, I wish you a Merry Christmas even it's not politically correct, or happy holidays, if you don't want to hear Christmas. Uh, I think Christmas is amazing. I think uh, uh, pagan holidays are the thing. Sorry um, if the bishop is going to be angry. And I hope that um, you have a great week, and I will see you, or hear you, or hear from you, or you'll hear from me. Next Sunday from Athens. I feel like it's a holy trip. I go from Sophia, the goddess of wisdom, to Istanbul, the mother of cities, and to Athens. Uh, So thanks a lot and have a wonderful, wonderful holiday of light and holiday of green trees.